All right, Coach Bianco, thanks for joining us today on this Simple Coach Coach interview. Really do appreciate you taking the time out of your day to take a look at how uh, Big Red has done, um, you know, this past season and how some of your impressions. Yeah, it was a, it was a busy 2022 season, um, you know, certainly more than, than a normal year. We took the team abroad in August. To, to Lisbon, Portugal, which was an incredible trip. And uh, we were also able to celebrate the 70th year of, of Dennis and soccer in the fall and bring some people back to campus. And, and so there was just a ton going on. Um, you know, glass half full side of me uh, can point to measurables like, you know, the amount of wins and, and different things, goals scored, goals conceded, top three finishes in the league, back-to-back conference tournaments. And so over over kind of like the two-year window for this team and this program, there was a ton to point to that we were really proud of. Um, but we can also point to, I think, objectively, being in our biggest moments this year, we just weren't as, as, as good as we would have liked to have been. And certainly that's where the area of focus is going to be for the program moving forward. But if you get stuck in that side of it, then I think you miss also some really good things that have been happening with a team that – you know, quite frankly, um, you know, it's still a young, a young team and a young mm-hmm. program. I think two thirds of the group are freshmen or sophomores. So um, a lot to, to be excited about, but, but mm-hmm. certainly we're ambitious and we were disappointed about maybe not going as, as far as we would have liked to have gone. Um, I'll, I'll ask the one question first, but I do want to come back to those where you said the biggest moments I'd like to get, you know, some more thoughts on that, but like, what was there anything in particular like that stands out as a highlight to you? Um, again, considering and just for everyone watching, right? This is technically this is your second full season at right. Denison, and so you're. I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but you're just getting started along this process of how building this this program out to what you envision it to be and it's it's relatively early in that process yeah um i mean we we do a really thorough end of the year uh 360 review with each player and one of the things that we review is with each guy is kind of like what stands out for you as a high point moment as from a personal and a team perspective and so it's been really interesting to see what what their thoughts are on it and uh, there was a couple moments that really stood out, uh, you know, a game like Wilmington in particular, we go down to their place, a really good team, uh, played down a man, scored the game winner down a man on the road in the 88th minute or whatever it was, and, and then had to kind of see out some some chaoticness, craziness <laughs> at the end. And it's just one of those games that's really galvanizing for a group and the yeah. guys loved it. I mean, so there's specific moments like that. There was... Um, our abroad trip were, were really big moments for the program to grow. Our ability to go to Boston and and pick up uh, a win and a tie to start the year. I mean, just some really awesome, awesome things that you know when when you strip the emotion of disappointment away from a year, mm-hmm. you're also able to look back objectively at like, man, we did some awesome stuff together. We had some important wins. I mean, just just really cool things that I know the team can look back on fondly. Um, so yeah, th- those would be some for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Now I, 
was uh, I forgot that you guys had gone to Boston uh, as sort of like a I don't want to say a weekend trip, but it was yeah. effectively a weekend trip. I mean, was there a reason to go up there? I mean, was it just to sort of try to play some other teams that you might not necessarily see, or is there a big alumni base up in the Boston area? Yeah, all the above. Uh, like I said, so this was the seventieth year of the program, mm -hmm. and. Uh, we do have a number of student athletes that are from all over the country. Um, mm -hmm. Quite a few that are in the Northeast, a ton of alums that are from the Northeast. And we were able to play Springfield College and Brandeis University yeah. uh, on a Friday, Sunday. And so we were able to do different events at, at both games, mm -hmm. as well as on Saturday, uh, there was a, a family that hosted uh, alums, families, friends of the program at, 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 an, at a dinner that night where we could kind of off campus honor the program. We also did oh, an on campus nice. celebration. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really a, a, an awesome weekend all, all the way through. But, but yeah, it was, there was an opportunity to kind of get out and, and get the team in front of alums and parents and, and everybody else, which was a lot of fun. That that sounds like a neat trip all around, just because of everything around it, right? It's not just hopping in a bus to go play two yeah. games, right? Like, um, and we took the team to Faneuil Hall down in Boston in the historic area of the city, yeah, and let them walk yeah. around and do some stuff, and and hopefully, I mean, we're fortunate that we can uh, hopefully kind of do something out of region, maybe once every two years, which would be kind of yeah, nice. Yeah. If you're doing that twice yeah. in a player's four years, it's just a you know another thing that hopefully makes their experience pretty impactful. Yeah. That's like, hey, if you can you can get it, what, an international trip in somebody's four year term, and then two of the regionals, right? That, that's actually a really good game plan. Um, right. That's really interesting. That's really interesting, especially if you go, like you said, where you have support. You know, you got folks who could support mm -hmm. you there. Um, all right, and and the and I don't want to focus too heavily on it, but on you, you mentioned earlier about sort of like in those biggest moments that. You, yeah. you sort of fell short. I mean, what? I mean, obviously you're, you know, playing Ohio Wesleyan in in the semis. Um, maybe if you could expand on it, do you, do you think it was a case of just not being, not from a practice, just not ready for the big moment, or? Um. Yeah, I I would say so. To step back, I mean, at a macro level, right? Like our season came down to five games, you know, twice against Ohio Wesleyan, once against Kenyon in the regular season, uh, and then two out of uh, league regional matches against Otterbein and John Carroll. John Carroll. Yeah. Uh, and so at a macro level, you step back and you say, oh, well, we didn't, we didn't score a goal. We, we didn't win one of those games. And, you know, even if we go two, two and one or um, two, one and two or yeah. three, one and one. Yep. You know, we don't have to be perfect, but if we if we even kind of split the difference in a lot of those games, you know, we're we're playing in a conference yeah. final. Um, yeah. We're we're playing in an NCAA tournament because our numbers yeah. would have been fine. Um, so so at a macro level, it's easy to step back and say, yeah, like we weren't good enough in those moments, and, um, and we weren't. And then I think the work now, honestly, is like diving into what specifically was happening in those games and are there themes across mm -hmm. each of those five games that we can kind of look at and, and work on. And, and that's honestly a lot of the work that's going to happen uh, moving forward, not just with our staff, but we're going to empower our players to do that. Mm -hmm. But 
Um, I, I wouldn't even say to answer your question um, that we weren't ready for the moment. Um, I, I think the group was was certainly prepared, motivated, excited. Um, we just needed we need to be, I think, a little bit more competent in certain areas of our play. Mm-hmm. And then when you're more competent, then you're yeah. more confident. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, if you're fitter, yeah. if you're more technical, if you're sharper yeah. with your tactics. I mean, um, so I, I would say that that is the biggest part of it. I mean, I, I just know when our guys walked off the field in those games, um, the performances were, were certainly there. Were, there's was parts of the performances that we can look at and say, you know what, like we're really not far and, and we're actually mm-hmm. closer in many moments than we were 12 months ago. And I yeah, really do yeah. believe that, but now we have to be better than, than we were nat- this past fall in 12 months to hopefully yeah. get results. Yeah. And, and, and it, you know, look, I, I was, and we'll talk a little bit about when we talk about the season, right. I, I hate to say it like you were in a tough spot even before, before the season, right. Because you had such this remarkable, season last year where you win the NCAC and you you know the expectation is high and and to try to replicate that again and I think last year you had a lot of things sort of going for you and you had this momentum and you had all the and to re- replicate that I just think becomes really really yeah, difficult. And, yeah you're, you're you're not wrong and, and certainly as we said to the guys like we we had expectations now and and those are things that we earned, which is which is awesome, yeah. and it's a it's a point of pride. Um, but you know, like in two years, we haven't lost to another team in our league, but that isn't named Ohio Wesleyan and Kenyon. And so, um, <laughs> we've done some really great things. But we also yeah. recognize like those two programs are really good programs, and so yeah, are yeah. John Carroll's and the Otterbines and yeah. the, and others in our region that are all good. Um, and now we just have to keep getting better to hopefully, um, you know, make make a difference in each of those games, which I think we, we can, uh, we certainly can. Um, but for our guys, um, especially like right up the spine, we were playing, you know, a sophomore goalkeeper that hadn't played a minute of college soccer this year. Um, you know, we were playing a freshman center back that played every minute of every game and sophomores that were playing bigger roles right up the spine and in other areas that like, you know, these guys had to be in the arena this year yeah. to really fully understand like what it takes at this level. And, and thankfully they were. And what we didn't have this year, which many of our peers uh, had and what we had last year was just like some fifth year guys. Guys, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Or transfers or whatever, mm-hmm. which Denison's just not set up for that necessarily. Yeah. Um, so like that seems to be a pretty common denominator for a lot mm-hmm. of teams right now that is just a kind of a function of COVID, which will cycle out, but we, we didn't have that and that's okay. But, yeah. but we were in the arena. Yeah. I, I was surprised. I didn't think of it that much, but that that's very true. That, that having a 50 year guy or multiples on a team yeah. matters immensely, immensely. Mm-hmm. Like look at Stevens, right? Like this is a perfect example. They got a couple five year, 50 year guys. Um, you know, uh, on the women's side, you look at uh, Johns Hopkins. They had eight, nine. <laughs> you know, like right. it matters. Um, so, I, I mean, what was there? 
Was there anything that surprised you at, uh, of this of of your team? Um, I I was pleasantly surprised uh, with the quality of our of our goalkeeping. Dylan Brown mm-hmm. the year prior mm-hmm. was as good as anybody in the country. And, yeah, yeah, he was and, one of my favorites, one of my top three. Yeah, yeah, he was fantastic. Um, and I was really proud of the fact that um, Tommy Prokos got the lion's share of the minutes and was uh, a really good goalkeeper. But we also had a sophomore as well, Zach Barr, that that in his own way, like had an incredible year. And mm-hmm. Tommy doesn't have the year he does if the guy behind him doesn't doesn't do yeah. it. And for them to step into to those roles, um, they did a great job. I, I think we conceded. Uh, nine goals in three games where the game just kind of like got away from us, um, which means that in the 15 other games, we conceded nine goals. Mm-hmm. And so we really actually defended at a, at a pretty high level. Yeah. And in 11 of our games um, where we scored goals, uh, we, we scored 35, which was a three goal a game average. average yeah. and, and so like, I, I think we showed when, when we played our game and we, and we found um uh, the way we wanted to play, like we can score and we can defend at a pretty high level. Yeah. Uh, and so now it's just like, can we replicate us at our best for longer yeah. stretches of time yeah. and in bigger moments? Yeah. That, that's the one thing I noticed this year in that there was a lot more distance this year between you and your, a lot of your opponents goal wise. Like you could go out and get three goals and not be, like wow, we scored three goals, almost like surprise, right? Like you were getting the production that, um, when you needed, it, right? When you when you wanted it. Yeah, we, was... yeah, we definitely got to be a little better. Um, in in certainly in critical moments, like games are going to be a little bit tighter. We we mm-hmm. weren't as we weren't as dangerous as we could have been, and on restarts, um, you know, that's an area where you can even in a college soccer season when it's really packed, right, yeah, like you can you can kind of generate something. Yeah. Um, you know, so that comes with some competitive experience, which I think mm-hmm. we gained this year, and hopefully next yeah. year, some of these guys just take on bigger roles and and yeah. are in, and are ready. Yeah. Um, all right, so so let's talk about some of these rule changes, and and I'll yeah. and I'll stipula- stipulate you're my rule guy, which uh, whether you realize it or not, or whether. It's what you want to be known as in my mind. Uh, I'm sorry, but yeah, you're my rule guy. So um, let's start with the OT. The OTs. You you had three ties, right? Right. Um, Which is not a lot in comparison to others. Like what? I mean, do do you think the no no overtimes during the regular season was it in your mind is it a net positive has it been a net negative would you would you go back to ot i mean yeah I'm, so i uh, i'll answer it in two ways so I, there's i wear two hats right like there's brandon bianco the soccer yep. coach hat and then there's myself as the division three chair or, or the division three representative on the ncaa soccer rules committee which um, for those that care about this stuff the rules committee is comprised of all three divisions both genders and division three despite being the the biggest Mm -hmm. division by number only has two representatives myself and then a women's representative Mm -hmm. division one and two get two voting members 
from each gender. Mm. So before anything even happens, we're already outvoted as Division Three yeah. members. Yeah. Uh, but just for some general context, like th they do uh, a rules survey almost every year. They send it out to our, our rules, or um, they send it out to our membership um, for feedback uh, just a few weeks ago. But when we last um, were surveying coaches, I have it in front of me. So. Um, the 73% of division or 73% of men's NCAA coaches were in favor of eliminating overtime in the regular season. 69% mm -hmm. of the women's coaches were in favor. Conference commissioners were over 74%. 95% of officials mm -hmm. were in favor of eliminating overtime. And, and I think mm -hmm. some of the discussions that were happening well before I joined the committee were around, you know, compressed seasons, um, yeah, yeah. Load, yeah. safety, yeah, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I say, I share that to say as the voting member and the other voting members on these committees, if the membership of the NCAA, which is all of our schools is saying at, at a pretty overwhelming margin, we need to get rid of this. If we're not following what the membership wants, then we might as well just get away, you know, do away with these committees and have <laughs> some czar of college soccer make the system yeah. from, from on high. Um, I, I'll be that czar if you need somebody. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, having said that, you know, I, I would say just informally talking to peers and things, you know, I think there's many coaches that are just a little bummed that OT's not around. Yeah. You know, nobody likes ties, especially in Division Three, where, I mean, it in Division One, if you're yeah. if you're like ten, four, and six, like records like that has become normalized behavior yeah. where that's kind of foreign yeah. for division three coaches. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I get, I get both sides of it. Um, personally, I would say we either have to have overtime or if we're not going to have overtime, then there needs to be um, changes to substitution and or clock management because games that I was a part of this year, it just seemed like without overtime, I mean, and substituting and, and re-entry and all these things, I mean, games were 55, 60 minutes. And so then you're walking away at the end of it, like, man, this just, this just seems off. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Like I, I, and it's funny, all the coaches that I, that I've spoken to so far, and I always try to ask them about the OT thing. I do think that there is a, I'll just say, and I don't mean this in a bad way, right? Like there is an emotional connection to having OT. There isn't necessarily an intellectual argument for or against. Yeah. Against yeah I, mean, like, I think the intellectual play, side is, hey, players and, you know, uh, you know, physical load, all that kind of stuff that occurs during a season. I think they justifiably understand that and it's been an issue for years. But I think the ones that think, oh, overtime, I think there's like this emotional part in charge to overtime, which is legit too, right? Like it's yeah. some of the most exciting games go to OT. But. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody would objectively say like when you win a game and with that's golden goal and it's a conference semifinal or whatever yeah. it is, like like those moments really jump out to people. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I as I said, I see both sides of it. Uh, I think – on a committee like I'm on, um, you know, my role is to represent the membership and mm -hmm. 
whether it was overtime or whether it was yeah. removal of golden goal, whether it was um, re-entry. I mean, we, we try to follow uh, the desire of the membership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think you were let, – let, let, I mean, I don't think I have to say this, but I never thought you were the czar of rules. I just thought <laughs> you were the rule guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, but, but it is – that's interesting. I didn't know that the, the number was that large, right? Like 75% of any group that says, well, you want to do something one way, that's pretty significant, right? Statistically, that is a significant yeah. number of, of votes, right? That you, you can't, yeah, you have and, and to acknowledge somehow or another, because if you're not, you're not doing your job, right? Right. And, and the unfortunate part, and, and this is good and bad, like if Division One men especially had their way um they would have the mat they would have the game resemble the professional game as much as humanly possible yeah and they are frustrated because um you know they're at the mercy of the voting members of division three and division two that that yeah don't want those things but then at the same time if division three men's and women's coaches say uh 90 percent of us want overtime back yeah. Well, we're already outvoted by Division One and Two, one, which yeah. Division One men and women uh, are are will never go back to no. wanting overtime in the regular season. Season, I mean, at least in the short term, I don't see that ever happening. Really? So you know, it's it's a it's a push and pull. Like when when yeah, I talk yeah. to our Division One colleagues, you know, you ask them like, "What's the what's the feedback with with overtime?" They're like, "Oh, it's fine. We're good with not having it." And yeah. it's very different. Yeah, but there can't Can I- be different rules for the different divisions yeah now, yeah, yeah. different rules by gender like you've seen in men's yeah. women's basketball yeah um, i i think that's a door we we don't really want to open unless we absolutely feel like there's a need and mm-hmm. and there hasn't been as strong of a need just yet um but maybe that comes yeah. who knows can i can i ask you like what is it about at least in the context of of the ot rules what is it about the, the OT that the Division One coaches are so opposed to it? Is it to that notion that it, uh, ties have sort of been normalized within the season? Or um, I would say all the sports safety stuff, player mm-hmm. load. I mean, and, and their seasons are longer than ours. But, you know, mm-hmm. I look at our season this year. Like, we played 17 games in 58 days. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I remember walking off the field at Brandeis and we played a Friday, Sunday opening weekend. It wasn't even back to back, but it's, you know, 95 degrees on their turf and, and had we played an extra yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. I don't know if our guys could have done it. And, and yeah. our guys came in, in a really good base of fitness. And so it's not really a fitness thing. I just think the division one coaches are like, you know, ties are a part of soccer. This is how it is. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, I, I just think they, they look at like the the accumulated fatigue that that happens if you're playing all yeah, the yeah, yeah. games. So yeah. I, I would say that would be what they would point to. Yeah, no, I get that part. Right. Like, I, I, I don't that doesn't surprise me. And and like you said, no OT or not two games in a row, a Friday, Sunday schedule by Sunday. 
you know, you can't, you know, you can't can barely bend your knees if you if you played right. those full yeah. full ninety the, on the both. You know, part, though, the unfortunate part though, Steve, is like the knock on effect, right? So like they don't want it, which which is okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But Division three has to live with it, but yet Division three still has back to back games in the NCAA tournament. And so yeah. like you know, my good friend Travis Wall at St. Olaf, they had a great season and. They lost in the Sweet 16 and yeah. penalties, but I'm watching his game and I'm looking at it, and it's it's 4:30 local time when his game gets over. And had they gotten through, Gustavus obviously did, but the winner of that game, uh, because they went to overtime, two 10 minute periods, and then penalty yeah. kicks, had to turn around and play 18 then and a half hours later. Later, yeah, and not even a full day. I saw that too. I was like, crazy. "Wow, that's it's crazy. nuts." So that's um, nuts. You know, like. We we get anyhow, you know, division yeah, three. Yeah. There's the knock on effects of de- decisions that get made, yeah, uh, by others. So, you yeah, know. yeah. All right, so so let's move on to the other topic that we we went back and forth with, and you were so kind to provide me with information on it, um, where I'd been saying again, not knowing anything, just sort of off the top of my head, I was like, hey, you know what? Instead of Instead of I was it was sort of like a counter argument to okay bring back the OT but if you really want to make a difference for players extend the season out by a week and then you came back and you said hey do you know that we're looking at how do you extend the season by I think on average it was like ten or twelve days um, and, yeah and, and so maybe you could you could talk a little bit about that and, and yeah sure um, I'm just pulling it up so I can. Ha- so I can look at it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So essentially, well, for context, like you know, there's there's all these different working groups, and the United Soccer Coaches has a Division mm-hmm. Three one, and we were kind of chatting through things. And with the new NCAA legislation that's been going on, with new constitutions and all these mm-hmm. things, um, I think the NCAA has um, very quickly tried to, you know can we make meaningful change in certain areas? And it's brought up discussions and anyways, soccer was a part of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I know there's going to be something that's going to go to the vote for, from the division three membership to extend preseason, um, for field hockey, men's and women's soccer, volleyball, et cetera, to add mm-hmm. a few more days to preseason. And, mm-hmm. and anyhow, um, and, and I think it just, it brought up a, a, a broader discussion about, you know, can we take a step back and maybe rethink what the fall could look like uh, that would benefit college soccer? And one of the things that our group and, and I kind of spearheaded some of the discussion was um, around a, a, a fall season model that basically does kind of three things. Um, the first one is um, we, we have the same preseason date that football has. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a count back that the NCAA uses why one sport is given priority on more preparation days than others in terms of like equity and all these things yeah, that, were, yeah. that are important to us. Like why some student athletes are deemed, oh yeah, we can spend the money on those athletes to come in early, but not others. So I think if we just said, okay, everybody in the fall comes in using the same count back football has, that would be point one. Uh, the second part of it is, um, uh, I'm going to read from it because I always get tripped up by this one. But 
allow for countable matches in the fall traditional season to begin on the Saturday prior to September 1st. And then if September 1st falls on a Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, the first date of competition would be August 28th. So essentially what this guarantees is a 10th uh, weekend of competition, which we mm -hmm. get that like every fourth or fifth or sixth year. And, and it's so crazy <laughs> because it really, when you have that extra weekend, it gives you just so much more So much latitude. I, yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. So instead of getting that every fifth year, you get it every fall. Yeah. And then the third one, which would be, this would have to be done by the championship committee. Mm -hmm. But essentially we would play our NCAA tournament over um, three straight weekends, we'd play, uh, we'd bump everything back a week. So the yeah. NCAA Final Four would still be in essentially this weekend. Yeah. They'd play the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight weekend over Thanksgiving. And then yeah. and then the first and second round the, the previous week, which um, I, I, I could understand some of the pushback um, because I've heard it. I've been in the room when you propose it, the, the administrators say, well, you know, we don't want to host NCAA tournaments over thanksgiving it's really hard on travel blah 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 blah, blah. but mm. i would always reply well you know division three football seems to play their ncaa tournament over those weekends and ncaa basketball tournaments are happening over thanksgiving yeah. um, so it can be done and, and i think if you do that you're benefiting all you know 800 plus men's and women's division three programs one by fell swoop. Back yeah a week and so the knock-on effect is uh <coughs> You know, like if this proposal was in place this year, instead of playing 60 days of competition for your 17 or 18 games, we'd have um, 72 days. Yeah. So essentially almost two full weeks, weeks. Which, which means less class time missed because you're playing more games on the weekend than midweek, yeah. et cetera. And, you know, instead of playing like us, we had 17 games in 58 days. Now you're playing 17, 18 games with more days of rest. Um, yeah. And I think it has to be conditional on saying to our coaches, like, hey, I, I think we need to put a hard cap on, maybe it's, you know, 18 cannibal yeah, yeah. games, as yeah. opposed to, you know, instead of coaches maxing out saying, okay, now instead of playing 17, 18 games, I'm gonna play yeah, like I can 20. do 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And you defeat the purpose, right? Like, if if right. if player load is, is the, not one, not the main reason, but it's one of the many reasons, then you can't say, hey, yeah, player load, player load, and then be like, well, I'm going to load the players up now that I have the extra yeah. days, right? And yeah, I looked at it. I looked at it, Steve. I think um, I think when I looked once, I, I'm going to get my numbers wrong. I wish I had it in front of me, but I looked at it and I, I like this year, I, I think we played, I don't know, whatever it was, 12, 13 of our 17 games on three days of fewer rest. Mm -hmm. And Division One, which has essentially this same kind of already, um, calendar. already. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, teams that I looked at, like uh, Jay Vidovich at Pitt, is a is is a is a buddy of mine that I follow yeah, this program yeah. pretty closely. You know, I I think they had maybe three games where they had games on three days of fewer rest. Um, yeah. And I, again, I'm probably getting some of these numbers wrong, but but very few games, whereas opposed yeah. to us, where almost every game is on three days of fewer rest, where yeah, yeah. It, it, anyway, so I think it's a way to enhance recovery, fewer midweek games, which means less class time missed. I mean, all, yeah. all positive things. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, it's doable okay. within the bandwidth of Division Three, in my opinion. 
Yeah, well, that was the interesting thing I thought about when I looked at the the, the sort of the outline of the proposal, whatever the document is called, the proposal, or this is the rough idea of it. I looked at that not in the context of, again, all the reasons why you would want to do it. I just looked at it as this feasible, and yeah, and and to me. I mean, what's the what's the biggest concern in Division Three? Like, when everything push comes to shove, in my book, the way I look at it is, schools are going to say, "Can we afford to do this or not?" Right. And any proposal that you do has to fall into the affordability piece. And mm-hmm. and I look at that, and, and realistically, if there is going to be a dish additional cost, it's just for that. Fr- time up front right because you got a house and you got to feed for an extra week and and you do some rudimentary math i'm sorry if you can't get another extra couple grand for a program for that purpose then you know something's not right uh, in my book yeah um you know as you as you know like playing over two semesters isn't going to happen in division three no no, Uh, exactly that's exactly like your your cost structure goes through the roof if you do that right like it just yeah. it would go through the roof but 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 could we make meaningful change um by bumping forward a little bit or bumping back mm. a little bit I, yeah yeah i think that would actually help and and i would understand you know i i think there is an argument well if you're playing later in november weather could be affected but you yeah. know i'm here in the midwest um the weekend that kenyan just hosted here you know 15 minutes yeah. away um, they had a really tough weekend with weather. It was cold. I mean, they could get games in and it was fine, but yeah. you know, it was cold and nasty. But then last weekend, if we were playing over Thanksgiving, it was 55 and sunny. sunny. So you, you just yeah. never know. You never yeah. know. So, um, Look, I, I think it and, can be done. And, and, and I, w- I always say the thing about the weather is like it or not, weather is part of our game and you right. know, Right. Everyone's got a turf field somewhere nowadays. And if, if, if it's that bad, you go on the turf, you know, you, you just do what you need to do. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and again, I always, I mean, the cool thing about, again, I have this crazy notion on the games, like it's cool to see a team like last year, Johns Hopkins go to John Carroll and play in the middle of a blizzard or close to a blizzard and see how John Carroll was like, man, we're in our element. And John and Johns Hopkins be like, what's this white stuff? You know, <laughs> like, it, it, and so, so I think there is a, there is a little bit of that. Like you want to, you fight really hard to host. Why? Because you we're home. It's, we're used to what we do. We, what we have here, all those things, including the weather. So, right. and until we all get domes, which is not going to happen as far as, least in my lifetime like then it's almost like a silly argument in my my book so all right so thank you for that by the way that was that was excellent that was that was real interesting um is does it go does it go for a vote i mean what's the next sort of yeah this isn't a formal proposal um i mean i think ultimately what we have to do as a soccer coaching community and our coaches Mm -hmm. association is get um really organized which uh, I think we're working on that. Trish Hughes, who coordinates college programming for mm-hmm. United Soccer Coaches, I think is working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what I hope to do, if nothing else, is is continue a conversation that 
maybe some of our coaches can kind of rally around and I've shared mm-hmm. this informally with some coaches and, and there seems to be, um, you know, positive thoughts on it, but, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's going to come down to getting administrators on board, getting, um, college presidents on board, getting our, our coaches association to get behind it. You know, one mm-hmm. of the things that, uh, for comparison, like, um, college football coaches, I don't know what their coaches association is named, but, but they, for whatever reason, like they are really, really well organized. Mm-hmm. And every single time there's, um, a proposal up, like it almost passes. It seems like every mm-hmm. time because they do a good job of, of, of making sure. Membership is no. And yeah, yeah. No. Everybody knows. So it's yeah. an opportunity for us to do a better job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be, I'm like I said, I like it. I just, I just think there's no reason not to and keep the no overtimes, right? Like, man, make it even better for the athletes, the student athletes, but um all right so let's 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 um let's switch to the season you already mentioned you know you were 10 5 and 3 you lost twice to your alma mater you know i i don't know if this is right and and it could be i don't i, I didn't watch all of your games and 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 but it seemed like it 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 seemed it did seem like there was a I don't want to say it was like seemed hard for you guys to get started you know like you would you would have this up moment and you're thinking okay this is where the momentum begins right because I'm a big believer in that and like you know winning begets winning and you're thinking okay next and then you would tie or or you you'd have yeah. one of the losses like is is was was did am I does that sound right am i am i on to something there do you think or yeah you you look at the year we didn't we didn't go on the string of games we're ripping off you know five wins six wins in a row um and that's kind of the nature of of seasons for most teams um Mm -hmm. but but certainly i think like the maturation that we hope to to make and have in the program is you know, you're turning some of those uh, ties into wins and then maybe some of those losses into a result. Maybe not always a win, but like uh, maybe you're drawing instead of losing. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that that changes your season pretty quick. Um, but, you know, I, I think for us, we're looking at it as like, can we set up the team in maybe a different way that, that helps us be at our best more consistently? Like, yeah, I mean, we're looking at that really, really closely as a staff. Um, but also I think part of it is just the natural maturation that happens with, with teams and with players. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I mean, two thirds of the group are freshmen yeah, yeah. or sophomores. So that, that could very well explain that. it, right? Like young youth, yeah. young guys on the team, yeah. it's, they don't but have I think that it consistency. Also passes the buck a little bit for, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to just say, oh, it's, it's only on the guys and they got to get older. And if they get yeah. older, they'll be better. I mean we also have to to give them better ideas as coaches yeah. and as staff. And, and, and I think that those are all things we're kind of looking at. We have some ideas. So yeah, it'll yeah. be a fun time this spring but, and into the fall to, to toy around with them. Can I, can I ask the question your, your boss would ask you, like, do do where did you, do you, do you think you fell short anywhere as a, as a coach or as a, as a staff in this, this season? Yeah. And I don't mean that to be like, hey, I want to pick on you. I just, 
you know, there's no one's a perfect, right? Like it's just, and you try to deal with things as they come. But. Yeah, I would say that the, the one big area that I've thought about a lot is, is um, I was never totally comfortable with our group extending pressure higher up the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and by extending it, it's like, you know, where did we, where did we pick up? Um, what were the rotations defensively? Um, yeah, we never totally solved that. You know, if a team yeah. plays with three in the back, like how do we step higher? Um, if a if a team plays really narrow with their center backs and plays with the back four, like where do we press and how do we clog the middle? Um, so that that's something that as I as I think objectively on our year, like we we need to answer those questions. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we have ten months to kind of figure it out, yeah. and we have a body yeah. of work that we can look at to do it. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I'm, I'm comfortable enough saying like, we need to give our guys better ideas in those moments. Yeah. 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 And, and so, you know, the nice thing is, uh, I, I think if we couldn't extend pressure and we were leaking a ton of goals, then that'd be a problem. Um, but I think we showed, you know, in, in most moments of the year, we were really an organized team that was tough to break down, break down. Um, I would yeah. like us to be organized and difficult to, to, break through when teams are trying to play out. And, and that's something yeah. that I think we can work on. Yeah. No, you're defensively like, that's interesting. It's a good point though. Like you, it's not like you were bad in that regard or you were leaking goals. As you said, you, I mean, you kept some, you kept the number of clean shoots. You kept, you kept low amount of goals from going in and, I think that's a testament. Yeah, maybe not. You're not stretching out your pressure up higher, but you're definitely doing something in that in you know your back line and your midfield to make sure that it becomes really difficult for teams to score on you. Right. Um, <clears throat> are there any of those games, any of the five that you thought you that got away from you that you, you that shouldn't have? Like in hindsight, um. do you think? I mean, even though the last Ohio Wesleyan game, do you think like you, that you shouldn't have been on that end of the scoreboard? Uh, I mean, no, they, 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 they took advantage of, of mistakes and moments. Um, and so fair play to them. Like they, they were better on the night. And I would say the one that we would point to is probably the first Ohio Wesleyan game that we played mm-hmm. at home where um, I think it was actually one of our best 90 minutes um, and then they scored with seven minutes to go on, on a great counter kid made a great play, but, but also, you know, I'm an Ohio Wesleyan guy. So, so I also look at it as like, man, like that's how Ohio Wesleyan wins a lot of games. Cause games, it's a part of yeah. the championship DNA, yeah, which yeah. we need to build as our program. Yeah. And, um, so when you maybe aren't at your best, you're going on the road and you're stealing a result late because a team gives you an opening. And, and I hope that in 12 months, two years, three years that we're yeah, doing yeah. that consistently. Yeah. Uh, but that one definitely, I think our guys know that one got away from us. Um, you know, J- John Carroll maybe wasn't our cleanest game, but that was a one nil game that maybe could have been a tie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Otter, Otterbein, they scored three goals in the span of like two and a half or three minutes, which I don't think they probably ever did again all season. And we certainly didn't have that happened again all season. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those kind of weird things that, you know, certainly they, they probably were the better team. Um, definitely they were on the night, but but maybe if we're just a little bit cleaner in moments, like we stay out of 
three minutes of chaos. But yeah. but again, at a macro level, like when you step back and you realize like in those four games or five games, I mean, that that was who we were this year and we weren't yeah, good yeah. enough to, to win those games yet. Yeah. And, and hopefully we will be in the future. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, can I can I ask you an, an Ohio Wesleyan question, even just because you're an alum? Yeah, I am. I am. I am fascinated that Jay was able to go from o four and two, all the way to the second round in the NCAA, win the NCAC, and I know teams, and there's probably in Division three hundreds of teams that at o four and two would have crumbled. Yeah. Right. Like just would have been like season's over. Forget it. We're not getting anywhere. Just from your experience as being a being with Jay, like what what do you think the talk was? And was there something to the, you know, turnaround or not? Was it that? Um, I don't think there's honestly any talk because every time you walk through the door and you see you know, the, the trophies on the wall and the pictures mm-hmm. of previous teams. I mean, it's very clear what the standard is. Mm-hmm. And those guys knew walking in every day that they weren't up to the standard yet. And so, I mean, I credit their staff. I mean, they did a great job. I, I don't know if it was like we, they had to have, and I don't know this, I haven't asked, but I, I, I would doubt that they had to have like, this big um, powwow, powwow <laughs> come together speech. It was probably yeah. just more like, hey, let's double down on who we are as a program, mm-hmm. which is a program that has really high standards, a great tradition, mm-hmm. and and let's just meet those. And if we yeah. meet those, I mean, their personnel was good enough to, to do yeah. what they did. I mean, but I would say if you look at their, their season, I mean, even in those early games, they were all pretty tight games. They weren't conceding mm-hmm. a lot. Um, mm-hmm. They just had to make some some you know Ohio Wesleyan winning plays, which yeah. they did towards um, the middle and certainly the end of the year. Yeah. But um, I think it's a testament, certainly to their staff. They did a great job. Yeah. Um, they were my vote for uh, coaching staff of the year for a reason. I mean, they really yeah. did a great job, and and I think um, that's what ma- a year like this kind of makes the program what it is because. Yeah. You know, even oh, this is legendary stuff in my book, right? Like, I mean, the only way to make it better is if they go further into the, you know, into the tournament, right? Because I I just think it's a remarkable turnaround, right? Yeah, and they had a good, they had a good, you know, an older group that was pretty good. Um, So, you know, kudos to them. You know, I also hope when we see them again, we we beat them three nil. So. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm just stoking it a little bit in a subtle sort of yeah. way <laughs> uh all right so let's go back to dennis and sorry about that to get uh distracted on another team but i was I, I i do want to reach out to jay and have a conversation with him because i think that was it's awesome to see because i think that's an example for other programs like man you can't yeah. you know you just can't quit on it and yeah if you have this tradition you double down on it but um all right, you got another great season out of one of my best 11 players um, from last year, Ethan Miracle. He's a senior and I'm assuming he's graduating. Like how big of a how big of a factor was he for your success this year? How how much of a you know, how much of a leader is he for for your group and 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 if he is graduating like 
you know, what are what are your thoughts on how do you get somebody of his talent back into that spot? Oh man, all million yeah, dollar questions, man. <laughs> it, it is funny in twenty twenty two. You do have to ask if the kid is yeah, gonna, yeah. is going to graduate. Um, yeah. He is. I'm I'm going to be really excited for him. Uh, you know, to 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 get his degree and to get off into the real world. I mean, he's really he, he's he's really a wonderful kid, and it's going to be. You know, whoever hires him and whatever he chooses to do, mm-hmm. he's going to be a a great addition to somebody's organization because he's just a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ethan played as a forward all of his time in college. He grew up playing as a forward, and then towards the end of last year, we knew because he was so tactically savvy and he had a great work rate and defensively he did such a great job that we had to put him on the outside. Mm-hmm. And um, as that was happening, we were also uh, seeing somebody in our freshman now sophomore class jay krueger kind of blossom into the player that he's starting mm-hmm. to become and he was a first team all league guy mm-hmm. this year with ethan and so ethan's move was the best for the team tactically but it was also from a personnel standpoint allowed us to to create a role for somebody that ended up um, having a great year as well but but ethan had to play in a different role this year all year kind of out wide as a you know, a winger, a wide midfielder, Midfield, whatever you want to yeah. think of him. But he was definitely farther away from the goal than he would have liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he never complained. And um, when we needed him the most, he stepped up every single mm-hmm. time. And, um, you know, it was funny. Uh, in our last game, he, he smacked one off the inside of the of the post at Ohio Wesley, and that would have made it 1-1. And if it goes 1-1, it's a different game. It was probably the yeah. only time all year where Ethan – um, didn't have one kind of bounce his way, yeah. but, but nonetheless, um, you know, I, I, I think he just had a great season and he had a great career and it's just a testament to him as a kid. I mean, he's just yeah. a great, great kid, good leader, um, and just an awesome teammate. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to get him to stay. <laughs> yeah, I would love to, um, you know, each guy's path is a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, we don't have grad programs here, yeah, so again, right. it doesn't yeah. make it, it. It doesn't always make it um, is as easy. And we're 100 yeah. percent residential, so you know housing for seniors, seniors gets a little bit yeah. tricky. And yeah, yeah. anyway, so we we'd certainly would love to have them back as well as our other seniors. But but I also know, yeah. you know, this is part of the natural maturation of of teams and of programs. You lose yeah. influential guys and they leave, and then other guys have to step up. So it's also a good opportunity yeah. for him. I, I, I thought he was absolutely outstanding in the NCAC final last year against mm-hmm. Kenyon and what he yeah. did. And I think he shut down single-handedly their right, their right side. Anything coming down the right back, the, the, the right side or your left was, um, I think he single-handedly played it perfectly to basically shut it down. So they didn't have anything going that way. Um, yeah. I yeah, still he, remember he did. that. He Just did. And he did it all year. Um, yeah, yeah. This year. This year, so yeah. He did a yeah. great job. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so you have, you, you, you have nine seniors. You do – you mentioned you have a, a – you have – whatever. The freshman, sophomore, majority of freshman, sophomore um, – like, how's your recruiting class looking to, to – I don't want to say replace. It's such a bad word, but to sort of fill those shoes. 
Yeah, it's good. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're for the most part done with our 2023 class. Um, there's a few guys that we're, we're, we're hoping to finish up with, but we have, you know, seven or eight guys coming now. Um, so it's a good group. Uh, we're fortunate that I think like Denison, we're able to attract yeah. good kids, good players and, and that kind of thing, which is, which is encouraging. Um, but I also know like if we're going to be good, it's going to fall on the shoulders of our guys coming back and, back, and then yeah. setting a really good standard for the new guys to come into. But mm -hmm. you know, our roster is a little bit unique in the sense that when I was hired, um, it was in April as of 2020, as the year as COVID was, was mm -hmm. shutting everything down. And, and that class, which is now our junior to be senior class. I mean, we really couldn't do anything with, and that was mm -hmm. done. And there's two of those guys um, in that class. So we're only going to have two seniors next year. Mm -hmm. Both two guys are awesome kids, really good players. Um, so the quality of the people in that class is as good of a class as we have. Mm -hmm. But in terms of numbers, it's really small. So each of the last couple classes is almost been almost like a, a class and a half yeah. to flow some of that, some of that in. Um, but this class now is, is going to be, you know, I would say as close to normal as, as possible you know seven eight nine guys and and it's a good group and we're excited for them to come and yeah. and hopefully if we do a good job um onboarding them i think you know they can kind of hit the ground running in august when they show up and that's what we're yeah. really focusing on yeah how important is it for you to find guys who keep the competitive tempo day in and day out for your squad yeah, I would say it's important for everybody. Um, I, I, I would say that what I share with families is, you know, when they ask about, like, do freshmen play or blah, 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 yeah. blah. Um, you know, my simple answer is if, if freshmen aren't coming in on day one and competing for playing time right away, then, then we're not recruiting the right guys. Yeah. Now, whether or not that happens, um, you know, yeah. there's adjustments with yeah. – with, you know, classes and being away from home. But, but at the end of the day, like those guys need to be able to come in and, and be at a really good level. And if they're not, yeah. then, then I think we're not recruiting the right guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> all right. So I'm actually leaving tomorrow for, for I'm my, you know, simple player. Number two is playing down in Greer, South Carolina for some ECNL mm -hmm. thing. And so we're making a pit stop in, in Salem, Virginia, to watch um, the semis uh, that are happening tomorrow. So uh, um, what are your thoughts on the final four? Now you get to be a pundit, right? See? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah. Well, well, I'll say, uh, you know, personally, I'm, I'm pulling for, um, for my guy Dale at Stevens. He's a good buddy. Um, uh-huh. You know, so I'm, I'm really happy for them. I'm happy for all the teams that made it. Um, I would say if you're a pundit, you're probably thinking that, um, you know, if this was going to be the year that a University of Chicago breaks through, yeah. it would be a year like this. Um, but but obviously, Stevens is a really good opponent in, in two teams. You know, when you get this far, like everybody's in their own way, like humming a yeah. little bit. Um, yeah. But I, I really like, I mean, I've been able to watch a ton of games over the last couple of weeks, but I, I really like, honestly, what, what a lot of the teams have done. Um, you know, I think Chicago over the course of the year and last year certainly as well, like they've shown that they're 
um, as complete of a Division three team yeah. as, as they're going to have. Yeah. Um, you know, Stevens has has kind of the competitive moxie of getting through yep. tight games. Um, you know, Mary Wash has probably been through as good of a gauntlet as as anybody yeah. in addition to Williams. I mean, Williams obviously going through Messiah and then Kenyon and then, mm. um, uh, you know, th they've obviously been through it too. So it'll be interesting. Um I'm going to be excited to, to see the games. I'm really happy that there's a day of rest in between. Um, but, I'm liking you know, that too, by the way, not for nothing. Good. Yeah. It, I actually, Salem's a really good venue. So yeah, I'm yeah. happy for, for them. I mean, the pictures alone make that place just look awesome. I was down there for division three national football championship in 93. I think it was when Mount union won its first, it's a beautiful area, but their Roanoke stadium is just, I mean, that's a stunner, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you something else, but that's okay. Um, all right. So, so who, all right. So I got to ask you like predictions, predictions abound. Remember if, if you don't accurately predict winner and score, you, I expect that hundred dollar check in the mail to me. Oh man. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll go one nil Chicago, uh, in the semifinal. Uh, and I will go two nil Chicago in a final over, uh, Mary Washington. Wow. Okay. All right. So put it down. It's, okay. Yeah. It's recorded. It's for time immemorial now. Um, by the way, Dale is a great guy. Um, the best sim simple player Sorry, number, Dale. yeah. The simple simple player number two that's on his short list mm. um, to play um, at Stevens. So, um, and he's a great guy. Nothing but kindness and and you know, you know, really responsive. Really, really, really good guy. Re re and loves to talk the game. You know, like really, really yeah. sharp mind on the game. So. All right, Coach, I've taken way too much time um, of yours. This went longer than I thought it would, but uh, I do appreciate do appreciate it, really do love your insight, love your knowledge of the rules. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, thanks again. And hopefully we can catch up uh, next time we want to do, you know, and by all means, if there's anything else you want to share and get out there, I try my best, so... Happy to have you on board again. Yeah, well, thanks for all you do. I, I know it's been uh, every year Division Three soccer keeps getting a bigger audience, so you're a part of that, which I, which we certainly appreciate. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Coach. Thanks again. Thank you. If you like this show, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. You can also find me on anti-social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks. This is a message from my chief marketing officer. I think this keeps him happy.